It's the Redirect Podcast. Search industry research, discussion, and analysis from the Black Truck Media and Marketing Headquarters. And now, redirecting you to the Black Truck Team. Welcome to another edition of the Redirect Podcast. This is episode 14, and it's Friday, September 1st, 2017, the first of the month. I'm Jason Dodge, and I'm welcomed once again by Patrick and Ashley from the Black Truck team. Welcome, team. We made it through one more month of <laughs> algorithms and search queries. So here we are. I think Ashley's going to go ahead and kind of take lead off here and, and share some things after we took. We actually took last week off. Um, so we're kind of regrouping here. There was some uh, vacations and travel and things like that. So in the height of the summer here in Michigan. So Ashley, go go ahead and, and jump right in. All right. Well, I'm hoping that this isn't something that, that Patrick was planning to talk about because I know that you are really into the voice search thing. So um, I chose an article from the Moz blog on, um, it's a voice strategy guide. Am I, am I, no, you're I'm good so far? All right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so I know I'm that we sweating. talk, we talk a lot about voice search, but mm-hmm. it's because that's the direction that things are heading. So, um, and are currently happening in that sphere. So, um, this is an article from Simon Penson who founded Zazzle Media in the UK. And it's a pretty lengthy post, um, some stuff that we've been talking about, um, but there were a few points from there that really jumped out to me. Um, so we know that the key players in voice search are Microsoft Cortana, Amazon Alexa, uh, the Google Assistant, uh, uh, Siri from Apple, and then coming soon is Samsung's uh, personal assistant, Bixby, mm, apparently, Bixby. For, all, for all of Samsung um, mm, devices. Bixby. And then uh, Facebook Assistant, which has no name yet. So um, anyway, he points out that apparently Bing is on point to steal a chunk of market share from Google, um, and he argues it's currently the key search engine to optimize for if voice visibility is your objective. What's his backing of that? His backing is that Cortana, Siri, and Alexa default to Bing for general information retrieval by voice. So hmm. I, that jumped out to me because, you know, we don't, we don't talk a lot about Bing because Google does have the market share. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's, I thought that that was something to pay attention to and maybe look into a little further. And, um, but... Well, and we can talk about that too, but another point that stuck out to me was um, that he argued that voice is an additional interface and it won't replace those that have come before. So, we, you know, it's not like search is going to make uh, typed searches obsolete. Oh, yeah, yeah, so, no way. You know, no way. So I, I think agree. a lot of people can take these, these kinds of conversations and think, oh my gosh, it's, it's all voice and, you know what we're doing isn't going to matter a couple of years down the road or whatever, but um, it's not the case. I mean, for instance, he points out that print, radio, and TV are still around, even though, you know, online is obviously, right. uh, 
you know, the more recent interface right. or whatever. So, anyway. Um, well, I mean, the Jetsons, you know, they they offered <laughs> us up the the idea that we were going to have flying cars too. Okay, and that, and that so happened. So, um, but but I, I think not to not stay too far away. Where you're going to go with the Jetsons? Um, but I, I think he he makes a good point too in this article too. I'm pulling it up as you talk about it, but um, Google even makes a claim that they have you know they have more than twenty percent mm-hmm. of all searches are already are led by voice, right? Um, and they're thinking that will read by you know reach by fifty percent in twenty twenty. Yep. Okay, so to break that down even further, so break the twenty percent down even more. So. If, if Google dominates, let's say conservatively 85% of searches, over 50%, closer to 60% of those are mobile. Mm-hmm. So then Google is saying 20% of all searches are voice-led, mm-hmm. aka maybe mobile, because there's other, there's other de- mm-hmm. default devices in there. Right. Um, so just to kind of put that into consideration, you know, where those voice led searches are coming from, I I don't, I'm not going to sit here and talk to my MacBook and Chrome and ask it to do a search. Mm -hmm. But if we had a home device, uh, you know, another one outside of the various devices that we have in this office, then maybe, but at at the same time, I don't, I, I see its place. Um, but also, you know, the replacement of, of a keyword search, I mean, if yeah. you're trying to be quiet, it's middle of the night right. or something like that. I mean, you know, let's start analyzing the number of queries that are done in the bathroom. Yep. You know, right? It's. Yeah. It, I think it's too much of it in its infancy still. You know, you think back to the days of the Jetsons or the Popular Mechanics, Popular Science magazine, oh, yeah. in the 40s and 50s when the smart kitchens were a thing and self-cooking meals and all that. Hovercrafts <laughs> out of a vacuum cleaner. Yeah, just just because uh, that technology might be there doesn't mean we need that technology or we're going to use it or it's going to make us better. So hypothetically, hypothetically, and we're going way probably off track, but I think it's an interesting discussion is is what do you think outside of search, what do we what what do you, each of you think that that the direction that just voice interaction with devices in general is headed. Like, where do you think it has its place in in either device, whether it's connected devices, IoT, or actual, just in search in general? Something that caught my eye this week, uh, I believe it was about the Google Home Assistant. Um, it's now integrating with other appliances I think it was it, it mentioned GE it was going to integrate mm. GE but mm-hmm. uh, the subheading was okay Google vacuum the floor and I thought of uh, the, the Roomba I don't know if that was what it was associated mm-hmm. with because mm-hmm. I don't know if GE uh. makes a, an automated vacuum like that but if you could tell your home assistant to vacuum your floor and the closet opens and the little Roomba vacuum comes out and does your floor that's <clears> kind of interesting that's kind of Jetson so that was my Jetson's yeah. light bulb when you Jason, there's a great um, there's a great one in here from the Android Central blog. I just looked it up while you were saying that because I wanted to know. I, I asked yeah. legitimately what what devices are in you know what's integrating with Google Home. There's a there's a lot. There's actually a lot of um, things that are fun too, um, like that I actually would um, maybe take advantage of. So maybe we'll we'll share this link too. It's it's everything from the obvious Chromecast and Nest, right, owned yeah. by Alphabet. Um, to things such as very smart lights, iHome controls, mm-hmm. smart locks, Honeywell, 
um, hive home automation to then then services that are supported, which are very much um, more entertainment oriented. Mm-hmm. So, so an arm isn't going to come out of my bathroom mirror and brush my teeth for me. <laughs> I mean, it could, but I don't Someday. I don't know if that's going to happen in our lifetime. Yeah, that's awesome. Though. Yeah, that's it's really good. Finding. Really good article. Lots of lots of info in there, and it, it's interesting because he is actually planning to build a voice team at hmm. his agency with different roles to kind of optimize for voice. So I, it's just, I while the sky isn't falling, um, he makes a point of how a lot of marketers have no plans whatsoever to you know optimize for voice or, or go in that direction. And so I just think it's a useful read. It is, and and <clears throat> not to not to have voice overshadow mm-hmm. as. You don't want to latch on this. I think the the good reminder is from an action steps is like don't just like any algorithm changes, just like anything that changes with technology and and Marcom is like don't jump to conclusions, don't immediately jump on the bandwagon of the flavor of the day or flavor of the week and put all your eggs in one basket. I think you need to be aware of these these things, which is why we're talking about it mm-hmm. internally and on this podcast, and and why individuals are blogging about it, but be conscious of it. Maybe think about more, again, natural language. Stop being so spammy. Um, But then really get to the core of why or what are we using voice search for. I think he does a good job of breaking breaking that down Mm -hmm. in here and having a a really good understanding of what uh, voice search is being used for. So that's my take on it. Pat? Uh, yeah, I found an article on Search Engine Journal published yesterday by someone with the same name as me, <laughs> but his first name, even spelled with two T's. Hmm. Uh, Wait, Garrett Patrick? No, not quite that same. It's, I'm, uh, I'm going to butcher his last name. Murgath? Hmm. Garrett Murgath? Okay, so Sorry, uh, the article is Leads Over Rankings, Shifting Your SEO Goal, and it basically is asking the question... Do rankings still matter? <clears throat> and the answer is yes and no. Uh, so the biggest thing it's saying um, when you're maybe not necessarily for agencies like us, but when you're a business wanting to look into your, um, your SEO, what you want to do, you need to stop asking the question, I want to rank number one, or right. make the statement, I want to rank number one. It's more of um, what are my conversion points? You know, what... What, what, is a, what do you want to do? You want to create leads. You want to generate leads and, um, or return on your revenue. You know, it's, an, it's a more of an SO or a ROI kind of a thing than a, than a ranking type of deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not just on the PPC side. It's, it's the, the organic side of it, too. If we're going to dump a ton of money into the organic side, we have to track that. And it's not necessarily being ranked number one because right. if you can you can do a lot of things to trick the machines and get yourself up there <laughs> but then <clears throat> what are you getting sent to your site yeah, you're getting sure. the wrong is traffic. it quality is it quality traffic the right traffic yeah, yeah. there it, might be themes built around that whatever that seed or core keyword yeah. is that help kind of the rising tides you know help that all all come up right that then right. generates more leads or conversions whatever mm-hmm. your goal is right yeah so it, it um uh, quote I took out of here at the end. Uh, the end result, though, is that you often drive more leads and sales without ranking in the first position for less money and time spent. So it's it's 
if you do all the things that we often tout in uh, this office, uh, I think we have a really um, fine point in our office to make sure we're doing things for the human side. Mm-hmm. And not to say that we're doing it right, but I feel like we talk more about the human side than the algorithm side. That we very rarely have conversations about algorithms in this office, and and I, I think it, this this article kind of puts um, a title in an organization to a conversation that we haven't formulated in this office. We have the conversation every day, but it's not necessarily something that we um, put a, a, a headline on because we don't really need to. It's just the way we operate. And I'm not trying to toot our horn, but I think it's, <laughs> it's just part of the way things should be operated. Uh, then it, it dropped through and put a couple of um, pointers on how to go about doing that and not necessarily focusing on ranking rather than um, getting conversions. And it's, it, it's easier said than done. <laughs> uh, it's three points. First one was improve your click-through rate, your CTR, and that's through testing utilize PPC to do the test if you have PPC going mm-hmm. um, and then <clears throat> mimic that same type of result on the uh, uh, the organic side of it. Uh, second one was write a better headline and it almost was encouraging clickbait titles and I was a little disappointed mm-hmm. about that but um, maybe not so you'll never believe what happened next kind of titles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. More along the lines of... I don't, uh, I don't click on those yeah, anymore. I don't, I, I, I don't think I ever did. But um, it was... The, he even said that. If, if, the, if it makes you feel like it's... We're talking clickbait, um, you're falling short of your purpose in life. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, you know, it's, it's, we're not writing clickbait titles. We're writing titles that reach the viewer, that mm-hmm. make them... Um, they can't resist clicking on it in the form, like not a uh, you'll never believe type of way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, a third one was don't put your call to action on the landing page in a dead zone, uh, like below the fold. Or oh. uh, the article states that the I and the average reading pattern follows the pattern of the letter F, a capital F. You know, so you read across, you oh, come sure. back and then go down and then you come back across again. And it, it didn't necessarily say the exact specific place you should put your call to action. Well, no, and you can't. I yeah. mean, because really the whole theory of, of, of below the fold really, I don't know as if we should even be discussing that in, in 2017 moving into 2018 because of the mobile environment that hmm. the fold is defined much differently than the fold on a desktop of course. site. Of so, course. you know, we are thumbing through or scrolling through content much, much faster on uh, a mobile device because we have to. So, right. Right. so I would say we want to watch that. So the dead zone maybe <clears throat> is more of um, eye-catching, mm-hmm. if you think about mm-hmm. it that way. Yeah. You know, make sure it's seen and not hidden and stands out at some point because that is your conversion. That's what you're putting the money into is sure. to get that call to action. Your call to action is your conversion point. Yeah. I think it's a good point. I think the the to circle back on the the touch point you made too on uh, PPC using PPC and testing. So what we're referring to is utilizing um, uh, AdWords or Bing and and do testing to see what type of ad copy works. So what type of headlines working? What kind of descriptions are working? Match up to the keywords you're bidding on. Um, that's great. And applying that to more organic side. Uh, in meta page descriptions, mm-hmm. possibly title title tweaking, but we want to watch that. Um, 
the thing that I will add to that too is I think that um, looking at that search queries tab in AdWords, if you if, even if you have basic knowledge of AdWords, you should be able to know how to navigate it. That at the campaign ad group level, um, you should be able to look at the actual keywords that people are searching for, and. And this goes back to, are we focused on rank or are we focusing on conversions? And looking at the actual keywords in there that are driving traffic, that are driving conversions, and then circling back and asking ourselves, do we have content that actually supports that query? And then how do we, I hate to say, how, how do we perform, not by rank, maybe by rank, but how do we perform in search for that that query do we so do we even have content that supports that query that is converting because if we're paying for that traffic and driving traffic there and we don't even have a page that supports those themes you're never going to be rank is irrelevant at that point mm -hmm. and and that conversation because you're not you're not meeting the intent of the searcher right. i guess is what i'm getting at you know so i think um that's a really, really great point that, that you picked up on, Pat, was, you know, using PPC to test this, also getting people to understand kind of twofold, don't focus as much on rank, which we've always kind of preached, which is a difficult <laughs> sell, but at the same time, maybe investing some ad dollars, mm -hmm. especially in competitive landscapes, to really understand what's going on there. You know, no paid keyword tool in the world is going to be able to produce the actual results. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's really, I, I think it was a really good point so you make. And then as far as the call to action, like where that should be on the page, even though I know you said the article didn't say any like perfect place to put that. Um, I know I've been seeing it more um, as I'm reading some articles online that they'll have the call to action at the top or like right after the first paragraph in addition to the bottom. Yeah. So, um, Multiple, yeah. multiple points, yeah. right? Yep, so yeah. you catch people no matter where they end up scrolling to on the page. Nice. Um, are you good? Can I take yeah, over? I'm going to take it. over. I don't want to. Um, so I, this kind of comes from two different, two different places. I've started to get in the habit a little bit more of trying to tune in. If I can't tune in live, I'll, I'll kind of come back and, and loop through and listen to the Google Webmaster Central um, they hold a, what they call office hours, their hangouts. So typically mm -hmm. that's um, a lot of times John Mueller from Google is is hosting those. Um, and there's a lot of industry professionals that either tune in, chime in, engage in that conversation. Um, and I know that Jennifer Slag at the, the Sun Post, the SEM Post, covered some things uh, on the 25th of August. Um, this is in relation to the Webmaster Central office hours that happened on the 22nd. But... The, the question comes around um, regarding whether or not Google actually takes into account how a page or website performs um, based on how the navigation is structured mm. or the style. Oh, yeah. You know, is it simple navigation? Is it a mega menu? Or, you know, does it have just an obscene number of, of flyouts and, and things like that? And, and um, you know, John Mueller from Google says that, that really no that navigation, he hasn't seen it in, you know, in his career at Google, that it does not affect the way that they perceive sites. Mm -hmm. uh, but he also goes to touch on, too, that, like, having a solid URL structure and the importance of that. So it was kind of interesting to, to hear him just kind of disclose quickly, navigationally, meh, but 
you know, URL structure, you know, you, you really still, that's, that's core, right? We want to take, take care of that stuff. Um, so I think the big takeaway there is that if you have a mega menu or you have a site of particular size and scale, that like having that is not going to penalize you in any regard. But my question, and I guess my challenge is with that is like, are, are we actually taking into account how the user might actually be interacting with the site, right? Um, I would think, again, back to larger sites where the more traditional product services type structure does not apply, but I'd recommend that the navigation be really clear and concise, and you have to ask yourself that. You know, go to your site. Is it is it, is it it clear? And, and better yet, ask other people to go there. So do some user testing. So use something like usertesting.com or get a few people in the room and just ask yeah. them to take certain steps and, and go try and find X page and see if they can get there. And I think the concept of don't make me think, going back to the book that was published in like late 99, early 2000, still applies is this day and age than ever before is that, you know, we have this extreme limited opportunity to capture your attention as a user. So why are you making this any more friggin' difficult mm-hmm. than it has to be? So regardless of SEO, again, going back to the human-centered approach maybe that Pat had touched on before... In your design, why that potentially could mean a lot to the way that that you do perform in search moving forward. So I think it's something to somebody to think about there. But I don't know if you guys if you guys have any feedback on that. I mean, I'd love to I'd love to think that that's a proper way to go. But yeah, that's just my opinion. And just to clarify, <laughs> as far as URL structure, you're talking about like the hierarchy like the parent child yeah i mean hierarchy uh or clean you know no miscellaneous characters funky hash bangs things of that nature i think would be you know let's not bury everything in an index and can expect it to you know just be performing phenomenally so obviously having the clean url structure is ideal and you should be paying attention to that um you know navigationally i think more people should study up on canonical tags too well, there is there is that too. Canonical right? should be as, as well known as a three hundred one redirect should be. Right, right, and there's a lot of confusion behind those, and when should we use it, and when should we not, and 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 hopefully that's you know where we can step in and help educate, right? right? Um, but I, I would definitely push you into thinking about doing some user testing, and because could you imagine like a massive mega menu in a mobile environment, right. and they no. open up and you can't figure out how to close them sometimes, and yeah. Well, I think you, I mean, this might be a little obvious or simplistic, but, you know, when you just mentioned having somebody go to your website, you know, it may, may be as simple of user testing as just asking some friends and family that maybe haven't visited your website, you know, can you go through and tell me like where you run into snags or like where your attention went? I mean, there's a lot of tools out there that you can use, but if you can use the people around you, that could be a... For sure cost-effective way to do it yeah and even even user user testing.com i think you know you can get your foot in the door 50 or 100 dollars to get some pretty reasonable you know responses back and and you can totally lay out the type of user and stuff you want to be using that and go as far as why not back the funnel up and say go as far as maybe have them search for something that you know you rank for and and watch that funnel right Mm. watch them do the search watch them click on your site go there and and then try and navigate the rest of the site to even get that reaction of I don't even know what the hell you do or 
to be able to interact. So it's a, um, clearly beyond the discussion of menus and navigation, mm-hmm. but you know, end of the day, no, navigation doesn't, what John is saying is it doesn't affect mm-hmm. the way that they perceive a site, but I think from a usability perspective, you would see that in, you know, mm-hmm. soft bounces and, you know, time on site, page depth, that type of thing. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so that's my that's my opinion on the matter. Um, <clears throat> but uh, anybody have anything else to share? Moving forward, I think we're going to try and welcome a couple guests coming up. But Patrick, did you have one more thing? I was just going to say I'm going to a cottage this weekend, and I'm looking forward to it. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to be completely disconnected, or are you going to study up more on voice search? I'll probably be connected of some sort. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. We have to soak up as much as we can of Michigan summers uh, before winter settles in. Mm-hmm. So. Um, awesome. Well, that wraps up the... 14th episode of the redirect podcast we thank you for listening and look forward to sharing with you again next week take care this has been the redirect podcast check out the show notes at blacktruckmedia.com and add us on itunes and stitcher